Welcome to Voices of the Belton Road podcast, brought to you by the Belton Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belton Road Initiative. Voices of the Belton Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belton Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-out. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone and welcome to the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Greg Stetz. Today on our show we have Richard Tukchani, Program Director at Institute of Asian Studies in Bratislava, Slovakia, a professor at Mendel University in Brno, Czech Republic, and a contributor to Chinfluence, an international project mapping Chinese political and economic influence in the Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland and Slovakia. Together we tackle a question that became more widely discussed in China and the world after the Huawei affair took place in Poland. Why is China's presence in Central and Eastern Europe causing controversies? Hello Richard, great to have you here. Hi Greg, my pleasure. Please, tell us a bit about your background. How are you involved in China's Central and Eastern European relations? I'm originally from Slovakia, but I've been living in Czech Republic for a long time. I have also Hungarian name and roots, and I have a bit of Polish background in my family. So I'm very central European case. I'm an IR scholar. I do international relations. Um, I also use political science economy approaches. I started dealing with China about eight years ago. My main interests are Chinese foreign policy in general and uh, relations between China and Central and Eastern Europe. And um, so I'm an academic person active in Czech universities and Slovak think tank. And um, I see my contribution that I want to spread knowledge and understanding um, in Central Europe about China and in China about Central Europe. Let's start with a broad overview. So how would you describe in your own words what China's presence in Central and Eastern Europe actually mean? And why is this topic even important? So China is bringing very interesting and new development in Central and Eastern Europe. Um, I sometimes use the label that their China-Sea relations are new diplomatic frontier. Previously, for about 20 over years, Central and Eastern Europe was pretty much uh, having only one game in town, and that was the EU and the West, so to say. Um, with China, with 16 plus one Belt and Road Initiative, um, there is something new, exciting happening. I should say immediately that uh, so far the implications of this somehow new game in town or new diplomatic frontier is more political or social or perhaps on the perception level rather than actually on the economic level. When I say this, I don't mean to say that China is trying to divide and conquer Europe, as many people suggest. Uh, but still, China is a challenge. The new Chinese presence in this region is a challenge uh, which the Western Europe and the EU have to get used to. And the Central Eastern Europeans also have to get used to how to deal with this new growing superpower, which they had not been used 
to before. On the China side, I think the challenge is that China needs to prove itself now. China definitely managed to raise its profile in the region. Um, it raised the expectations. Many people in the region feel that a lot has been promised. But now maybe we can say that the difficult part comes, that the economy will have to follow. Otherwise, the countries in the region might start losing interest in this new game. Many Central and Eastern European countries, including Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland, want to be branded as China's gateway to Europe within the Belt and Road Initiative. Do you believe that they have an actual strategy for engagement with China? And what are they actually hoping to achieve through the relationship with China? I think the usual answer has been always that uh, the CE countries are interested in, in economy uh, first and foremost, and I think that has been the case pretty much. There are some political interests these countries uh, have in China, and my reading is that with the time going, actually, I have to say that there is a bit of disappointment around the region that the economic expectations which these countries held previously are not being realized, but there are some political goals these countries uh, can get out of China. For instance, for Serbia, it's pretty obvious that China is a very important ally when it comes to Kosovo issue. For Hungary and Orban especially, China is an important, so to say, stick, which Orban uses uh, in his uh, worsening relations with Brussels. Czech President Zeman, for instance, I understand it, that he's using China as a way how to attack his domestic political opponents. But coming to the, to the issue of bridge or gateway to Europe, I have to say that I find this very unfortunate term. And I think it's causing a lot of misunderstandings uh, pretty much for everyone involved. If we make a few steps backward and think what, what it actually means, for instance, we talk about Singapore being gateway to Southeast Asia. We talk about Hong Kong being gateway to China. And when we say that, we mean that it's much easier for international companies to get established in these regions because these regions are cosmopolitan. And actually, these regions are used to deal both internationally and in these regions where they are supposed to serve as a gateway. Now, when we think about kind of CEE regions serving as a gateway for Western Europe, I don't see anything like that happening. Quite the opposite. China and Western Europe actually have much better and much deeper interactions than actually china CE relations. In a way, there is just one place or one way how CE region can serve as a gateway or bridge to the Western Europe for China. And that is that if you want to send a train from China to reach Western Europe, it has to cross the CE region. But I don't think that this really makes it valid to talk about the gateway and bridge. Okay, but... In such a case, if Central and Eastern Europe is not really a gateway and engagement with China is lower than that of Western Europe, why is Western Europe and the core of the European Union so anxious about the 16 plus 1 China Sea cooperation and the development of Belt and Road in Central and Eastern Europe? That's a good question. And um, I think there is a bit of various things. There is a big difference between the rhetoric, the announcements, and the actual development. So that, that is one thing which many people in Western Europe, in Central and Eastern Europe, and also in China do not understand. That actually, CE region is perhaps the region in the world which has the least Chinese presence all over the place. Another reason why there is so much anxiety in the Western Europe is 
as I said, with China coming, there is a new development and they are not sure what would happen in coming years. Another thing is that there is obviously lack of trust between China and the EU. And I have to say that there are also some, let's say, problematic steps which happened within the 16 plus one, which then fueled these expectations. So certainly more transparency would help. Chinese insistence on constructing the infrastructure projects using state-to-state deals goes against the EU rules. And even when China does this in Western Balkans, it is perceived in the EU that it undermines the Western Balkan EU membership prospect and so on. Chinese approach to Central and Eastern Europe is actually not entirely straightforward. On one hand, China emphasizes that it considers and recognizes that the 16 plus one should be part of EU-China relations. On the other hand, there are indications that China doesn't entirely see this region as being inherently part of the West, part of the EU, part of NATO, part of the developed world. So it's a bit of a gray area. In this regard, I think this is one of the biggest problematic aspects that The Western Europe and EU and NATO actually feels this, that China approaches this region in a bit different way. And this is already the main fact why there is this anxiety. And to be fair, actually Chinese scholars and also politicians do uh, mention that 16 plus 1 is a type of South-South cooperation with some kind of North-South features. So even on the side of China, these worries are to some extent well confirmed. So I think that for the 16 plus one, for the relations between China and CE to be successful in the future, um, I think they really have to be put within the framework of the EU-China. And China really have to recognize that these countries are inherently now part of the EU and they just have to be dealt in this way. And in fact, many in the Western Europe would then say why there is such a thing as 16 plus one if we already have the EU-China dialogue. So even if this engagement is quite smaller than anywhere else in the world, it seems fairly concentrated as most of Chinese investment and trade with Central and Eastern Europe focuses on Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland and Slovakia, that are sometimes called Visegrad or V4 countries. You take part in Chinfluence project that maps out China's economic and political influence in these four countries. So what have you found out so far? And how would you compare Chinese influence in these four countries? Is it substantial? So when it comes to Chinfluence project, the project tries to do two things. In the long term, as you said, it tries to map Chinese presence or influence, so to say, in Central Europe. In the short term, what we started already is that we looked at Central European media and uh, we did a very, um, I would say, thorough analysis of how China is being presented in these media. What we found is that in the Czech Republic, China is a very polarizing issue. China is often talked together as a communist country. Very often human rights issues appear. In Hungary, China very often appears um, being discussed uh, in the context of bilateral relations and opportunities for Hungary, meaning economic opportunities. In Slovakia, I would say that this course is less developed. Slovakia obviously is the smallest of the V4 countries and uh, China is seen almost predominantly as an economic actor. 
Now, you asked or you said that Chinese presence in CEE focuses or that the V4 countries are in the forefront. And that's true, statistically speaking. But when we look, for instance, at Hungary, which hosts the biggest volume of Chinese investment from all the 16 countries, we actually find out that the vast majority of this volume happened with one single transaction. And that this transaction actually happened in 2011, so before 16 plus 1 and Belt and Road were announced. In Slovakia, actually, there, there was very little happening. In the Czech Republic, that's a very interesting case because Czech Republic was or built its name since 1989 as a very strong supporter of uh, human rights and so on, which is built around the legacy of the first president, Václav Havel. As a result, Czech Republic has always this kind of moralist direction in its foreign policy. Since about 2012-2013, which is interestingly the same time when the 16 plus 1 and Belden Road started, Czech Republic changed its approach in foreign policy and specifically towards China. So suddenly, the especially Czech president, but also Czech government, started to say that they want to develop relations with China and uh, that they want to discover the economic opportunities. From today's perspective, it is perceived as a problem by, I would say, already most people in the Czech uh, context that these expectations were not fully fulfilled. When Chinese President Xi Jinping visited Prague in 2016, after the visit, a list of uh, future investments and deals were announced. Very few of these deals actually were successfully realized. Moreover, pretty much the only thing which was realized have been the acquisitions made by the Chinese CFC company. And this CFC company later on encountered troubles. So all this experience in the Czech Republic actually fuels this negative perception which the country had of China previously. So some of our listeners might not be familiar with the history of CFC in Czech Republic. Could you please briefly recap what happened? So CFC is, or was, it still exists, one of the biggest Chinese private companies, but it really appeared out of nowhere around 2014, 2015, and uh, suddenly this company started to acquire various assets all over the world. And Czech Republic was one of the places uh, where this company actually was really active. Actually, its chairman, Ye Jianming, became the advisor of the Czech president, Zeman. And what is interesting is that he still is formally this advisor, even though he's been arrested in China for quite some time now. After the CFC entered the Czech Republic, it started to acquire various things, such as uh, Czech brewery, uh, some Czech media, a travel agency, and then some real estates in Prague, including hotels and office spaces. Now, there was always discussion, what is the strategy of CFC? Because the acquisitions which the company was doing didn't seem to show a very clear business strategy. And as I said, um, after a few years, it turned out that actually the company was borrowing for these acquisitions. Some of these acquisitions then became problematic. And eventually, about a year ago, the CITIC had to take over of the CFC assets in the Czech Republic. Thank you for that. And so what would you say were the biggest achievements and the biggest challenges of the last five years in Sino-Czech and Sino-Slovak relations? So when it comes to 
Czech-China achievements, I think Czech Republic definitely managed to strengthen and improve its brand in China. And uh, kind of economically speaking, probably one area where really we have, maybe the only area where we have seen some major results have been tourism. The number of Chinese tourists in Prague have been growing quite quickly. I think this year or previous year, Czech Republic received about half a million of Chinese tourists, which is really a lot. When it comes to Slovak achievements, though, it's very difficult to to come up with something, as I said. The Slovak approach to China has been pretty much that if China was interested in something, it would come. And if China doesn't come, someone else would come. So Slovakia didn't try to push through uh, projects too much. And then actually very few projects have been realized so far. When it comes to challenges, as might be clear by now, I think the biggest challenge is to find meaningful areas of cooperation. With the 16 plus one, with Belt and Road, we have some kind of actually pretty, I would say developed even framework of relations. But now the question is how this framework can be used. And uh, so far it hasn't been used much for increasing of these countries export to China. We haven't seen many investments, especially not investments which would be perceived as quality ones. Uh, The infrastructure deals are not really something which uh, could be happening under this state-to-state approach which China practices. So the question really is to find out the area of cooperation. And I would just repeat, the negative perception of China is also a challenge, especially in the Czech Republic. And I can add a recent news. It was reported a few days ago in the Czech media that actually the interest in studying Chinese language in the Czech Republic has decreased over the last five to six years. One of the reasons is the negative impression of China. There is even more interest in studying Japanese and Korean in the Czech Republic. So I think these are some of the challenges. And what, in your opinion, prompted this this change, this more negative impression of China? What's the reason behind this trend? Well, part of it, as I said, is this legacy, the Czech legacy of Havel. Part of it is, as I said, the lack of perceived economic results of the cooperation with China. But one thing which perhaps I should stress is that in the Czech political context, China became actually a domestic political issue. It is a symbolic issue which Czech politicians have to take certain position. And it doesn't actually mean that they are familiar with China. As you said previously, I don't think there is a very good China strategy, but China became such a topic in the domestic Czech society that if you oppose it, it tells you about something about your political preferences. And as well, if you call for closer cooperation. So I think this politicizing of China and polarization of China actually contributed to this kind of uh, disappointment which we are now experiencing. And talking about polarizing topics, we cannot overlook the controversies over allegations towards Huawei made in Czech Republic and also in Poland. So some say that this is going to have a significant impact on the future of china sea relations at large. What actually happened in the Czech Republic and What does it mean for the future of China's engagement with this part of Europe? Czech Republic was one of the first countries in Europe which actually issued a warning that the critical infrastructure of the country is not advised to use the Huawei and ZTE products. Um, The whole thing is still in making, so it remains to be seen how this warning will be implemented. But this is happening in in the global context, of course, 
when the US-China relations are worsening. And I think it is possible that in these political and security areas, countries like Czech Republic, Poland, but many other countries in the CE will have to make a bit of a choice. And since these countries are within NATO, it's not much of a discussion what choice it will be. So if the EU or NATO will come to a conclusion, the EU and NATO members will implement it some way. The question, of course, is to what extent that can influence the 16 plus 1 and Belt and Road cooperation between China and CEE. That remains to be seen. But I think it would not have a positive impact, of course. But I think even the bigger negative impact on, in this case, Czech-China relations, or Central Europe-China relations, has been the case of the CFC company, which I mentioned. Because right now, if the Czech and Central European companies start making some kind of businesses with Chinese counterparts, they will really make sure that they know uh, their Chinese partner, so to avoid these kind of uh, issues which happen now with the CFC. To wrap up on a more positive note, as you mentioned, Prague has become one of the success stories in boosting Chinese tourism. So how has this been achieved and what are the lessons that other touristic cities can learn from Prague's case? So Prague tourist success, of course, some of the things which Prague or the Czech Republic did could be replicated, but I really think that one of the key things is the product here. And this is something which many businessmen would tell you, that you need to have a good product when you want to make the business in China. So of course, Prague is a very unique and special city. So that's one thing uh, which you have to take into account. What the Czech Republic did, though, was that uh, it managed to present itself and Prague in China. So this was one of the achievements of these improved relations between China and the Czech Republic that really Prague started to be quite famous in China. There was a famous popular song about Prague. There was a popular movie. Prague appeared in some Chinese TV shows as a wedding place or the place for honeymoon. And of course, these kind of things led to increasing interest. Prague actually then established a few direct flights to China. So right now Prague has four or five of them, which is uh, by far the most within the CE region. One more thing which also has to be taken into account is the geographical location of the Czech Republic, but especially Prague. When Chinese tourists come to Europe, they very often want to visit uh, more cities, more countries, and it is very easy to include Prague or even some other parts of the Czech Republic within the itineraries, which, for instance, start in Berlin and then cross Czech Republic and end up in Vienna or continue elsewhere in Germany and Switzerland and elsewhere. So uh, I think other parts of the sea region can try to replicate some of the strategy of Prague, but not all of that. And that closes our today's episode. Richard, thank you very much for sharing your opinions with us. It was great to have you on the show. My pleasure.
That's this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and .ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.